You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. So when I was in Bible college, um, we had to read a lot of books. Um, people, I don't know what you think about Bible college and, and what's going on with that and how people actually are learning uh, to, to do all this ministry stuff. But in Bible college, you read a lot and you write a lot of papers, but not necessarily about the stuff that you're reading. Um, in fact, when I was in Bible college, one, a lot of my professors would have you read a book and then just sign like an affidavit saying, I read this book. And that was like, all you had to do, turn it in. And you're like, oh, there's 100% right there. And I was like, that's good because that was good for my grades. And, and there was a couple of times that I may have not finished the book yet and wrote that down. And then, and then it, the guilt started overwhelming me. So I started just reading all the books because I didn't want to be that guy that was like, and I think it works. I mean, it, I wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought giving teenagers, you know, because we were 19, 18, 19 at the time, the ability to just say, yes, I, I did that. And I'm not going to check on it. And they were going to say yes all the time. But but we got there. And there was one book that we read that uh, I actually really enjoyed. Uh, it was a great big book that took most of uh, my classmates all semester to read because they kept putting it off and it wasn't enjoyable to them. But I got in it and I started reading. And I finished it all in two sittings. Like that was how much I, I enjoyed the story. But it was a biography of a man named Alexander Campbell. And if you've never heard of Alexander Campbell, not a big deal. Um, he was a Scottish preacher in the, I don't know, a couple hundred years ago. Um, and he started looking and seeing that things were wrong in the church. You know, people were being turned away from communion. He said, that's not cool. So he started doing his own study. Um, but what I remember about Alexander Campbell the most is that he had this crazy morning routine. He would get up every morning bright and early and he would study Greek for three hours and then he would read a chapter in Proverbs and five chapters from the book of Psalms. And then he would study Greek some more. He would do a Bible study that was not connected to any of the other stuff that he did. And then eat lunch before he did anything else in his day. And that was his daily routine. That was the way he lived, the way he worked. And I remember reading that and thinking, man, this guy knows what it's about to search for wisdom. He was looking for it hard. He wanted it as bad as anybody has ever wanted it in this world. And I want to be like him. So I talked to my roommate. He hadn't gotten to that point in the book yet. So I, I kind of explained to him what Alexander Campbell was doing. I said, we got to be like this guy. If we want to be great Christians that get books written about him, we got to be like Alexander Campbell. Because, you know, everyone wants to have a book written about him, right? And so we decided we're going to do this. Kyle and I, that was my roommate my freshman year. We decided we're going to do this. And so we say, right, well, how do we get started? And Kyle says, there's a problem. I said, well, what's that? He said, well, neither one of us know Greek. I said, okay, well, well, we'll put that aside. We don't need to be getting up five hours early every morning anyway. We'll just ignore the Greek part. We'll just read a chapter of Proverbs and five chapters of Psalms every day. Uh, and it'll be awesome. Now, Alexander Campbell did it first thing in the morning when he got up, but we were college students, so we were doing it after chapel. Like we have chapel at 11 o'clock, and then after that, before lunch or after lunch or sometime during the day, we would start this reading. Um, well, the interesting thing about Proverbs and and Psalms is that the book of Proverbs is 30 chapters long. The book of Psalms is 150 chapters long. So if you did a chapter of Proverbs and five chapters of Psalms every day, every 30 days, so every month, you've read through two books of the Bible. And that's pretty awesome. So we figured that out and said, well, it's like the 13th. We don't want to start at one. Then we'll be off for the rest of our lives. Uh never be at the end of the actual month. So we started on the 13th or the 12th. I don't remember exactly the day, but 
we start going. And I don't know if you've looked in the 50s and 60s in the book of Psalms, but those cats get long. I'm talking like four or five pages for five chapters and in those little small print Bibles that you get when you're... And so we said, well, let's just do Proverbs after about after about a week. Let's just do the Proverbs. And we even kind of cheated on that because Kyle would read it one day and I would read it the other day. Not like we had each other sign an affidavit saying that we read it, but like we would read it to each other out loud. And um, I remember distinctly that I was sitting there one day and Kyle is reading and we're doing our, our whole thing. And he reads this one passage and it just cracks me up because I, I figured something out. I start giggling. I start laughing. And Kyle had grown up in this really conservative family up in Ohio and like surrounded by Amish people. And and so he stops and he looks at me. And Kyle was just a great big buff dude. Like he couldn't put his arms all the way down. Like he couldn't use his pockets. Like that's how, how big he was. And, and Kyle looks at me and says, Patrick, we do not laugh at the word of God. We got to take it with reverence. And I completely agree. But I wasn't laughing at the word of God. I was laughing at the epiphany that I had just had. Because I had just realized that I was as smart as Solomon. Because I figured out something he was saying. I, I had become this Bible scholar in this moment. And I had hooked on and I knew it. I had it. I was good. I didn't need any more Bible college as a freshman. I was set. I want to share the verse with you that he read that morning. That, that just made me feel so intelligent. Here you go. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 13. Do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with food. Does it hit you like it hit me? Do you get what it's saying? As a college student that was often late to class and never made it to breakfast, I knew exactly what it was saying. If you oversleep, you're going to miss breakfast. And I thought I was a genius. I thought I had this whole thing wrapped up. Now that was 15 years ago because I'm getting older every year as my wife likes to remind me. And I've studied this verse a whole lot since then. I think there's something bigger that we can see from it. I I don't know if you guys have been here the last couple weeks. We've been in this series, Hashtag Wisdom, uh, a teaching series on the book of Proverbs, where we've been going through, we've been looking at Proverbs. Chris talked about uh, stuff the first week about wisdom and how great it was and how we need to have it. And it comes from experience and all these different things. Uh, And then last week he had that sermon that... um, I would tell you about, but I would blush because it was a little bit racy for me. So just know you can check it out on the podcast and, and hear some uh, Luther Vandross or somebody. I don't know. It was, it was it was crazy. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. But I, whew, look, I'm sweating. Um, but check it out. It, it's it's worth listening to. He talked about how wisdom can help us overcome temptation. Uh, but we still haven't figured out how to get wisdom. Like, where does wisdom come from? Where, where does it start? Where does it end? How do, we, how do we obtain it in our lives? And I think a lot of that can come from studying the book of Proverbs. Because Proverbs is written in a way that when you first look at it, at a cursory glance, you can get some information. You know, do not love sleep or you'll grow poor. Open your eyes and be satisfied with food. It does mean that if you oversleep, you're going to miss breakfast. Because that's a true statement. That's a true thing. If you don't wake up, you're not going to get bacon and eggs. But I don't think that's all Solomon was talking about. I think that there's an undercurrent in Proverbs that as, as you read and as you study and as you learn more, that you're going to find these. Um, and Aaron, you said this on Tuesday night, and I, I loved it, so I'm going to use it. I, I'd never heard it before, but he says you find these knowledge bombs. Things that are there, that are underneath, that are just going to blow your mind. Get it? Bomb? Blow your... Anyway, I thought it was clever. Uh But there's these knowledge bombs that if you can dig in, you'll find this great wisdom that is right there, just waiting to be discovered. 
But I think we've got to have a plan. We've got to have a goal. We've got to have a plan of attack to be able to do that. So that's what I want to do this morning is I want to give us a plan. I want to give us a way to search for wisdom because, well, when I've studied this verse, do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Open your eyes and be satisfied with food over the last 15 years. With it being my go-to passage when everybody says, hey, we've got three minutes. We need you to do a message. This is where I would go. What I figured out is what Solomon is really saying with that is wisdom doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. You don't just all of a sudden become wise. You can't be sleeping and taking a nap and wake up and go, oh, I know things now that I didn't know before I was asleep. It just doesn't work that way. I don't care what the Holiday Inn Express tells you. You can't sleep somewhere and wake up wise. We've got to have a plan. So to find that plan, we're going to go to the place that we go for answers. We're going to go to the Bible because that is the guidebook for our lives. And we're going to look in the book of Proverbs. So if you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there to the book of Proverbs. Hold it in readiness, um, which is a phrase that old preachers use that I always liked because that's what you're doing. You're getting ready. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on the, the floor under the chairs. Grab one of those. If you don't have a Bible at home, take one of those home with you. If you just want a spare Bible at home or to keep in your car, that's okay too. We want you to have access to the Word of God. Uh, you can also look it up on your phone. There's uh, some several good Bible apps that you can use. Um, and I won't feel like you're like texting somebody the whole time if you're looking at your Bible on your phone. And even if you are, I, I'll just assume you're looking at your Bible and it'll be all right. And if not, it'll, it'll be up on the screen like that first verse was. Um, but we're going to go to Proverbs and chapter 6 where we see Solomon telling us something about wisdom. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a second because I don't know what kind of ants they have in Israel and uh, where Solomon was living. I, I have no idea what kind of ants they have. But I do know what kind of ants we have in North Carolina, especially in eastern North Carolina. We have fire ants. You know, we, we know what fire ants are. We've seen these things. We like kicking them and seeing them all scatter. Uh, but I got to tell you, I don't like fire ants. I, I don't know many people that do, but I am not a fan at all. Those little whelps that they leave, the little balls of, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, take a deep breath. Just figure it out. Um, fire ants are awful. And last summer, with it being as wet as it was where we lived, fire ants were worse than I'd ever seen them. Um, and we've got three kids that were last summer under the age of four and hated to wear shoes, but liked to run around outside. And so we had to be on top of it. So we tried to do everything we could to get rid of fire ants. Um, I heard you pour gasoline on them. They'll go away. Yeah, that doesn't work. Uh, so I tried some, uh, some kerosene still didn't work. I, I tried powders and granules and sprays. I even tried this thing my mom said would work, which was if you take a cup of baking soda and a cup of confectioner sugar and mix them together, and sprinkle it on the anthill that that'll dry them out. And that'll, no, that didn't work. All we did was spend all summer chasing fire anthills around the yard and just made a big mess. But I think there's something that can be learned there. That's why Solomon tells us to go to the ant. So let's, let's finish reading this passage. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander or overseer or ruler, and yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest go to the ant you know what an ant has a lot of times that we don't have as people simple word initiative ants have initiative they're going to get up and go we, you go and you put that kerosene or that whatever on the ant hill 
they're just going to move and start somewhere else. They're going to keep doing their thing because that's what ants do. They've got initiative. They've got drive. They've got the, the willingness and the desire to go out and do it again. And every morning they're going to wake up and they're going to do the work of the day. Every morning they're going to get up and they're going to do what has been commanded for them, even though there's no ruler. There's no one cracking a whip. There's no TCP reports or, or weekly evaluations Ants just keep doing their job day in and day out because they've got initiative. They keep working harder and harder because they know if they don't, they're not going to have any food in the winter. They know they're not going to have anything to sustain them at the end. Proverbs speaks to this about us as well. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 11 says, Those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies have no sense. Those who work the land, those who have the initiative to get up, those who who go out and actually accomplish things will have something to show for it. What a novel idea. Those who work the land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Friends, when it comes to seeking out wisdom, the first thing that you have to have is the desire for wisdom in your life. That's what initiative is. If you look up the definition of initiative, sure, there's the one that says doing it first. But one of the definitions of initiative is the desire that is needed to do something. The desire that is needed to do something. If you are going to seek for wisdom, you've got to really want wisdom. Now, I was looking on the Internet this week, and I do say plural because I check multiple sources to make sure that uh, I wasn't just making something up. Although this is just a tradition story, so if it didn't really happen, don't be like Patrick. Socrates didn't do that. But there was a great philosopher, Socrates, back in the day um, that had a student come up to him, a person come up to him one day and say, I want to be your student. I want you to teach me wisdom. But Socrates, being the wise man that he was, looked at him and saw that this was just a punk kid that didn't really know anything or really want anything. He just wanted the status of being trained by Socrates. So he takes him and leads him down to the river and, and leads him in. And he, and he takes him and he says, what do you want from me? And the, the guy says, I, I want wisdom. So Socrates dunks him underwater and pulls him up. What, what do you want? And the guy says, I don't want wisdom. And he dunks him underwater and holds him a little bit longer and pulls him up. What do you want? Well, I want wisdom. And he does that over and over again. And eventually he just pulls him under and he just holds him. And he holds him. And he holds him. Finally, he lets him up after a couple minutes, after the time when this guy has almost stopped thrashing. And the guy's like, because <laughs> you know how you are when you come out of the water and you can't breathe. And Socrates says, what do you want? And the guy says, I want wisdom. Socrates just looks at him and says, when you want wisdom as much as you just wanted air, then come find me. And he left the water and never saw that kid again. Guys, we've got to cultivate that desire within us. We've got to have initiative if we're going to seek wisdom because wisdom doesn't just happen. It takes patience. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes work. Wisdom doesn't just happen. But even if we have initiative, that's not enough. Just the desire to get started isn't going to get us there. We also have to start taking responsibility for our own quest for wisdom, for our own searching out of wisdom because, and nobody may have ever told you this before, but this is a true statement. You can hold me to it. The only person that can gain, add wisdom to yourself is you. The only person that can help you to gain wisdom is you. Sure, you might get wise counsel from someone or someone might share a bit of wisdom with you. But if you don't grab a hold of it and take it, 
you'll never gain that wisdom. The only one that can gain wisdom for you is you. The problem is, though, we live in a culture where it's completely okay to pass the blame. It's completely okay to say, it wasn't my fault, it was somebody else. It was, it was my boss who told me to do that, or it was my underlings that didn't do what I said to do. It, it was somebody else that said something to me when I was a kid, that because they said that to me, now I can act however I want to, want to in this world. And we just keep passing the buck and passing the blame. But what we need to do is start taking responsibility for our own selves. Start saying, you know what? I am the one that is responsible for gaining wisdom in my life. I am the one that is responsible for looking at the mistakes that I have made and the mistakes that other people have made and to not do them. Chris said, uh, was talking to me and told me that, that one of his mentors, as he was doing his church planning stuff, said, look, I'm not here to help you not make mistakes. I'm here to make sure you don't make anything but new mistakes. Let's learn from the mistakes of others. But we've got to be diligent about that. We've got to take responsibility to learn. We've got to take the responsibility on ourselves. I'm pretty heavy into the technology stuff. You know, I I really enjoy tech. I enjoy learning about tech. Uh, It doesn't matter what kind of tech it is. I want to know how things work and why they work and how I can work them and how I can play with them, especially if it's some cool, fun tech. But it's a realm that's constantly changing. Stuff is always being updated and upgraded. And if I were to rip down Winkle for a minute, um, for those of you that are younger, that's a guy in an old story that fell asleep for 20 years. And then he woke up, he had a big beard and, uh, and didn't know anything that was going on because everybody he knew had died or moved away. Uh, I've already got the beard going, so I figured it was good. Anyway, Rip Van Winkle for a minute. You don't have to wait 20 years. I mean, if I waited five years, if I didn't read anything about technology for five years and said, all right, I'm going to go be an IT guy somewhere, I would be completely lost. Because things would have changed so much, I mean, except maybe at school. I think I could probably five years from now still go to school and do the same stuff because we're behind in North Carolina technologically. But that's neither here nor there. But the thing is, that information that I had, the knowledge that I've got now, the wisdom that I have when it comes to technology would be useless if I just stopped. That's why we got to be awake. That's why we got to be searching. That's why we have to have, take that responsibility and say, I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep finding new wisdom because the world is ever changing around us. And as cool as it is to know what the new iPhone 7 is going to do when those features finally come out, isn't our spiritual health and our, our search for wisdom so much more important than that? Isn't it more important than knowing who the new desperate housewives are or who won Top Chef? Isn't it more important than who's the wrestlers on WWE now? That's one of those things I used to keep up with that if I turned it on now, I'd be lost because I hadn't taken responsibility to watch it. Guys, we have to take responsibility for our search for wisdom because if we don't do it, nobody else can do it for us. So we need to have initiative. We need to have the desire that makes us want to search out wisdom. And then we have to take responsibility that says, I'm going to do that for myself and when we get right down to it the last thing that we need to do in searching out wisdom is we need to stop making excuses we need to just stop making excuses stop going through and doing things and saying you know what i i can't do that because we got to stop saying yeah but because it just doesn't help us you know, it's interesting when I started looking up stuff about excuses and, and different excuses people have made. I, I realized that there's, there's really three big categories of excuses. There's those excuses that you make on the spur of the moment. You know, so you're, you're going along and somebody says something that you weren't expecting. You're like, 
Oh, well, yes, I wasn't there yesterday because uh, my grandma died again. And so you got to figure that out. And, and it's right on the spur of the moment. And then you, the trouble there is trying to remember what you said. And so you're like, all right, what did I tell them so I can tell the next person because now I've got an excuse. But then there's excuses that you're already 15 minutes late for work and you're driving to work. You're like, I got to come up with a story. Uh, all right, the kids were throwing up this morning. No, my wife was, no, the kid was throwing up on my wife this morning. And so you're trying to figure all that out and trying to get it all straight in your head. But then there's that last category of excuse that I know we're all guilty of, even if we don't want to admit. And that's when you're trying to figure out the excuse you're going to use for something you haven't even done yet. You're like, it's Saturday night. I know I'm going to go out. I know I'm going to go do something. So I need to come up with a reason why I look so tired tomorrow. All right, it's been a rough week. That's what it is. It's it's not that I was up until four in the morning hanging out at the club. It was because it's been been a rough week. And we come up with those excuses before we even do the stuff. People, we got to stop that. We got to stop making excuses because all excuses do is stop us from accomplishing things. Friends, I don't know where you are today. I don't know if this is your first time in church or your 50th time or your 5,000th time in church. I don't know where you are in your seeking of God, but I do know this about excuses. There's never been a case in human history where excuses have caused success. In any area, in any realm of our life. There's never been a case where excuses have caused success. Because the people who make excuses are people who are good at skirting responsibility. In the book of Proverbs, in chapter 22, it's going through and the Solomon is giving us this great big list of fun things to do, of smart things to do, of wise choices to make. And then right in the middle of it, he throws this passage. He throws this verse, Proverbs 22, 13. says, the sluggard says there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. And then Solomon just goes back into telling you more wise things to do. Like he just throws us in, like in the middle. He's like, nobody asked the sluggard what was going on and why he was playing Xbox. He just said, he just, oh, by the way, I can't go outside. I heard there was a lion out there. And he just kept going. You guys do that? Do you come up with an excuse for, for no reason? Come up with an excuse when nobody's asked? We do that when we're searching for wisdom, don't we? When we say, you know what? I, I just don't have time to read my Bible this week. I can't study Greek because I don't know it. I can't do five chapters of Psalms. That's ridiculous when you get to Psalm 119. I'll just read that one. And we just make these excuses when nobody's asking us why. Because we're asking ourselves because we see what's going on. Do you guys know what a sluggard is? Basically, a sluggard is a person that has no initiative and takes no responsibility. It just offers excuse after excuse after excuse. And that just doesn't lead us anywhere good. There was a, a writer in 16th century France that uh, what he wrote was maxims. He, he would just write big, just like one sentence things that said, this is how you, you do these things or this is the way you live. You know, kind of like modern day Proverbs if we were modern day in the 16th century France. So modern-ish day Proverbs. Uh, and his name was uh, Francois de la Roche. De, I'm going to put it on the screen because I, I'm not going to make any excuses of why I can't say that. I'm just going to say, you figure it out. And if you want to tell me later, that's cool. I'm not a French scholar. That's an excuse. Shh. Um, but this is what he said, and this was genius. This was one of those thoughts that I was just like, when I read this, I was like, this is it. It's got to go in my sermon. He says, we have more ability than willpower. We have more ability than willpower, and it is often an excuse to ourselves 
that we imagine that things are impossible. We have more ability than willpower, and it is often an excuse to ourselves that we imagine that things are impossible. Some of us might be looking at this quest for wisdom and going, there's no way I can get there. There's no way I'll ever be wise. There's no way that I can do those things. It's impossible. Well, let me quote another great theologian, not theologian, great philosopher for you. Phineas Flynn. The only thing that's impossible is impossibility. Because as long as you can believe it, as long as you can think it, you can do it. We've got to stop making excuses. Think about some of the great people in the world and the excuses they didn't make. You know, you ever had brown and serve rolls? You know, like you put them in the oven, they warm up and they're delicious and gooey and yeasty. You know where it came from? A fireman was there and he was making uh, rolls and he had got called on a fire call, came back and they were all crusty and pasty like they are when you get them. And he didn't want to make any excuses why they weren't any bread, so he stuck them in the oven and they worked. And he said, man, nobody told me I couldn't do that, so I did and it worked. What about Jimi Hendrix? Jimi Hendrix, fantastic guitar player. Nobody told him he couldn't play upside down left-handed, so he did and it worked. If nobody tells you you can't do it, if you don't tell yourself you can't do it, you can accomplish amazing things. And the theme is true when you're talking about the search for wisdom, when you're talking about seeking out what is right in your life, about making right choices, about doing right things. If we stop making excuses and realize that it's completely possible. James, the half-brother of Jesus, tells us in chapter 1, Verse 5, he says this. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Doesn't that sound like the opposite of impossible? Doesn't that sound downright possible to get wisdom if all you got to do is ask God? Now, now James does give us a caveat. He does say that there's one little piece that you need to recognize and know. Continue verse 6. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He says you got to believe. You know, that's the stop making excuses. You've got to believe that God will give you wisdom and that God will give you wisdom. We have to believe that God can do it. So we've got to have initiative. We've got to have that desire within us to seek out wisdom, the, the desire that is needed to get something done. We've got to take responsibility for our own wisdom quest, recognize that only we can add wisdom to our pile of wisdom. And then we've got to stop making excuses. But here's the truth of the matter, friends. If we do all of that, but we're still looking in the wrong places... We're still not going to find wisdom. If we do all that and say, I'm going to take initiative. I'm going to have all the initiative in the world. I'm going to take responsibility for myself. I'm going to do all the things the way I think. I'm going to know that I'm responsible for them. I'm going to stop making excuses forever. I'm going to go hang out at the bar and see what they say and see if I can find wisdom. I'm going to go hang out at the drug den and see what they say and see if I can find wisdom. I'm going to go hang out at this place or that place where people aren't making wise choices and see if I can find wisdom. You're still not going to do it. You're still not going to find it because you've got to be in the right ballpark. Uh, Imagine this scenario with me, if you will. You're going shopping and you're looking for something very specific. Something like, um, I don't know, a military-grade flamethrower. Why would you need that? To fight fire ants, obviously. So you're going and you're looking for a military-grade flamethrower. And so you roll up the food lion. And you go to that guy that's stacking up soup cans like it's the 1940s in the display. And you're like, hey, dude, where do you keep the military-grade flamethrowers? 
that kid is going to look at you and he's going to be like, I don't think we carry those. Now, if you get the right kid, it'd be like, go to aisle 10, get you a can of hairspray and a lighter and you can pretend. But, but that's not it. That's not military grade. That's, that's not where you want to be. If you want to find a military grade flamethrower, you got to go to a hooked up military surplus store or like terrorist or us. I, I don't know. Something like that because that's the only place you're going to find that. Friends, the only place you're going to find wisdom is when you look to God. Check this out. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is where wisdom starts. This is where your initiative needs to take you. It needs to take you back to God. It needs to take you pointing back to Him over and over again because if you want to find what you're looking for, you got to at least be in the right ballpark. you got to at least be at the right store. And so we've got to search and we've got to look because wisdom doesn't just happen. It's found in God's word. It's found when we're, we're on our knees in prayer. It's found when we listen to the counsel of Christians that have gone before us. Sometimes wisdom is found in the innocence of a child or in the stories that your grandma shares with you about the life that she has lived. But we've got to take the initiative to look for it to have that desire to seek it out, the responsibility to bring it into ourselves and add it to our pile, and then to just do it, to stop making excuses, to stop saying, you know what, I, I can get by, I can go and I can do this thing and it'll be all right. Because when it gets right down to it, we need to learn, do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with food. Friends, wisdom doesn't just happen. On our search for wisdom, we've got to be awake. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you so much for this day that you've given us. The day that you've given us to give into your word, to seek out those knowledge bombs, those things in your word that will just blow our mind apart, to let us know that you are good, that you are God that you love us and care for us. Help us to seek wisdom in the best way possible. Help us to seek it by seeking you with desire and with responsibility and making no more excuses. Father, thank you for all you are and who you are. In your name we pray. Amen.